This is out of bounds. This is Out of Bounds, your home for the wacky, the weird, the wild, and the wide world of sports. Thus, all of my lovely hand gestures and props. Me, O'Brien, alongside the illustrious John Alba. John, how are you doing? Are you uh, are you feeling confident with your decision to have me open the show now? Uh, illustrious. I don't know about illustrious, but I'll do my best to live up to that. It's a good Monday. Got some rays today. And now we are back at it on Out of Bounds, my favorite Monday evening happy hour here on the Know Your News Network. I'm sure you were out there. Let's just get the Jaguars reference out of the way since we have to cue the bingo card up. I'm sure you were out there at Jaguars practice today, weren't you? Yes, I was. Actually, practice was moved to 3 o'clock today. Um, the heat of the day, we had a heat index of 107. Mm. Ton of fun, John. Ton of, uh, ton of fun. I, I spoke with some staffers today who've been on the staff since the Jaguars' inception in 1995, and they have agreed that they've never seen heat indices quite like we are seeing. Lovely. Of late, however, optimism, although I know some of our Know Your News Out of Bounds listeners, viewers, are from this neck of the woods. Uh, apparently, the heat that was outside of Jerry World on Saturday was the worst um, that those same staffers said they had ever felt outside of a football stadium. Thankfully, Jerry World is indoors, so that, that helps. But yes, 107 in Dallas at the time of kickoff at 5 o'clock on Saturday. Yikes. Yep, that's why you put a roof over the building. That's pretty simple and straightforward. A good weekend it was. A busy weekend it was in the sports world as we round third, head home for the beginning of the football season. We will have some football to talk about here on this edition of Know Your News. We have a lot of things to talk about, and we want to hear your thoughts. Head on over to kynchat.com. Leave us those Super Chats, or if you're watching via YouTube, you can just drop it right there, and that's how you guarantee that your comment will be around there. Sometimes we'll pick some comments and throw them up anyway, but the way to guarantee that you will get your comment, your question, your concern read on air is by leaving us those super chats. We would love to have them. What you got beverage-wise here today, Mia? Beverage-wise, I'm rocking with uh, some nice 100-calorie uh, true no neutral, one of those seltzers. Um, Interesting. Yeah, was up in Charleston this weekend. So I uh, had a, a wide variety of cocktails and wines. And so uh, we're still going to celebrate a lovely Monday on Out of Bounds. But, you know, just keeping 100 calories. I'll tell you, I had a crazy week of eating and drinking. So the fair in this county was this past week. Oh, the fair. And I, sh- and I shot a Guy Fieri Triple D style project. And so here I am going about gallivanting booth to booth, trying foods. Are we allowed to say who this outlet is, who, which outlet this is for? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I'm out there shooting this stuff. And oh, my goodness. I was like, you know, I got my chronic acid reflux as is. So I'm eating barbecue. I'm eating lobster rolls. I ate a, what's it called? I, I ate a crepe. I had a. Brownie waffle with cannoli cream. For you, this is a big deal given your esophageal issues. Right. So it was a lot, and I felt like I needed to cleanse. But then Out of Bounds was approaching, and I was in Wawa. I saw a little Wawa half and half, and I said, I think I've got some vodka at home. So I poured some vodka in this, shook it up a bit, and here we are. And I've got a toast, me a very important toast, because we learned today via TMZ that Ashley Olsen of the famous Mary-Kate and Ashley duet had her first child, Otto. So, to the iconic MKA... Is his middle name Graham? I don't know what his middle name is. To the iconic MKA duo, a cheers. Salud, congratulations. For the out-of-bounds listeners that aren't uh, as familiar, uh, John Alba could literally make a documentary and autobiography... Of the Olsen twins. I can rank the Olsen twin movies if anyone would like, but that's a conversation for another edition of Out of Bounds. Instead, Mia, we begin this week's episode by taking a trip over to Philadelphia, do we not? On the hardwood, where James Harden is at it again, folks. He is crazy. Two days after it was reported that the 76ers had ended trade talks involving James Harden, the 10-time All-Star ripped 76ers president Daryl Morey, saying in part... Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Harden said this during, wait for it, an Adidas media event in China. He went on to say, quote, 
Let me say it again. See, it wasn't it wasn't a misprint. Let me say it again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he is a part of. John, <laughs> who in their right mind would take a shot on James Harden at this point? And then keep in mind, for those lacking the context, Daryl Morey was with Harden in Houston prior to having him in Philadelphia. How could you take a shot on James Harden? How? I, I mean, you could take a shot on him if it's not going to cost you much. But at this juncture, what team in their right mind would trade for this guy and give up valuable assets? Consistently, he has shown place in and place out that it is the James Harden show and everything else that happens around him need matter not. It's a shame because he really will go down as one of the more talented playmakers of his era. But Mia, in a league full of superstars and all about Miaism, and there is a lot of it in the NBA, I can't think of an example of someone that has tried to earn the right or claim to have the right to choose their own destiny without backing it as backing it up with results in the way that James Harden has. I don't know what your thoughts are. I just want to know, like, is he going to play for the 76ers now? Like, does he hold out? Like, a little awkward, don't you and think? Daryl Morey, I mean, but Daryl Morey also claims that, you know, they're, they are in, they're in the window that they, they got to win. Now Joel Embiid is at his peak. You do have a 10 time all-star sitting there. And while certainly his play on the court, you know, has been criticized because is he a ball hog or not? Does it, the ball always have to be in his hands? You you can do with that information what you will. But the reality is, is it's all hands on deck in, in Philadelphia right now. They but need James Harden if he's on the roster. You can't be all in if you have a guy like that. Well, then what are the what are the 76ers? Are they not in their window? I'm not saying they're not in their window. I mean, we've seen results-wise, they very much are in their window. We've seen them compete. And, you know, they make the head coaching change now, so we'll see what happens there. But they are sporting one of the most talented big men in the history of the game, and Joel Embiid. And in order to succeed in this league, we know, we've talked about it, you can have a great big man, but you need shooters. And James Harden is supposed to fill that. He's supposed to be the playmaker for this team. I don't understand, literally, I, I mean, I'm speechless. I don't understand what standing he believes he has to be able to try and direct his own shot here. The report was he wants to go to the Clippers and head west to L.A. and play with Kawhi and Paul George and Russell Westbrook. In a team, another AARP team, resembling the the other Los Angeles squad across town. I just, when you see what happened with Houston, when you see what happened with Brooklyn, when you see what's happening now with Philadelphia, what team in their right mind would want to take a shot on this? In giving up assets, maybe those teams, those two teams in Los Angeles. What assets are you giving up? It sounds like the Sixers had a hard time even finding a trade What's partner. the going price for him at this point? Because the 76ers probably want him out of town. But you have to get a return. He's still a talented player. We'll take a bag of peanuts and maybe, you know. No, no. He's still a talented player. Well, but if he's a cancer in the locker room, don't you want to just get rid of him? I still think you need to value getting some quality return. You don't just give him away for free. Yeah, the thing with the net situation was, Look, the Nets went all in. They gave up a very talented future star in this league in Jared Allen to bring in James Harden, and they got burned by it. They absolutely did. But in trading him back to the Sixers, even if they did take on Ben Simmons, who hasn't panned out the way they were hoping, they still got valuable draft capital back, and that was significant for them. They were able to recover the draft picks that they lost in trading for James Harden. So I think if the Sixers were to try and find a trade partner, they have to recover something. I just can't get over. This guy has proven time in and time out. He doesn't deliver when it matters. He's a great regular season player when he cares. And I'm not the type of guy, you know this historically, I'm not the type of guy to crap all over a player. I really am not. I'm a very pro player guy. What has this dude proven at this juncture in his career, to earn the right to call his shot on where he wants to go. 
uh, over the last, I'm looking at the numbers too, by the way, um, James Harden has plateaued essentially at 21 and a half points over the last four seasons per game. Um, of course, his career highs of 30, 36, and 34 points per game wait, came for, wait for it, with the Houston Rockets with Daryl Morey as the chief executive, LOL. Um, his three-point percentage did go up a season ago, so there's that. Um, went up a tick from 32.6% well, yeah, to 38. Got Joel in there on the inside drawing all the attention. He right, so maybe the they figure, I, again, to your point, when you asked, the question was, who could a potential trade partner be for the Philadelphia 76ers if they were to turn face and say, all right, now we got to get rid of this guy. We are seeing the NBA shift so much more towards building within, not having to go out and pay three, four marquee free agent stars and build a super team. You are seeing you draft one to two. Maybe it's your number one and your number three, and then you go out and you get your number two, who even then is in the prime of their career, whereas James Harden is clearly on the back end. Unless... You are the Los Angeles Lakers or the Los Angeles Clippers. And so that's why that's the only logical spot for me. Because I I just don't see another team. Like, I mean, you go back, if he goes back to Houston, right? Houston, rebuilding, young team. You look at some of the, uh, you know, up-and-coming squads in the NBA, like slash the younger vibes that are like reloading. Milwaukee, Miami, Denver. Those teams are already put together. And even with the pieces they're adding, it's guys like Dame Lillard who, you know, obviously, you know, he's not that far off in terms of age from James Harden because he's 33 and James Harden is, you know, around the same age. But the reality is that Dame at least would fit that system. James Harden doesn't fit any system outside of the let's take all the old aging stars and see what they can do together. It's just as simple. I think you're overcomplicating it, Mia. It's as simple as this. He has proven he doesn't care about team culture. He has proven he is in this for himself, which, look, he reserves the right. But look at the decrease in value you cause in yourself when you play that way and when you act that way. I mean, wasn't that what Russell Westbrook was, though? And look how Russell Westbrook is adjusted. And look where Russell Westbrook is. But look how he adjusted. He took on that role with the clip. There is a path to sustainability in the NBA, and it was paved by Vince Carter, okay? Vince Carter recognized the only way that I'm going to be able to sustain my career around 2010, 2011 was if I acknowledge I'm no longer the prime superstar and I find how can I fit a role on the team that I'm on. And he discovered that and he added a good five, six years to his career. Carmelo Anthony did the same thing. Carmelo Anthony, it was I'm the star, I'm the star, I'm the star. And then he realized, actually, you know what? If I take on another role, I'll have sustainability. And he did. James Harden, I think, is still more talented than those guys were at this point in their careers. But the attitude and the all about meisms, they have supplemented that downfall. And I just don't think any team out there would be in the right state of mind to give up anything considered to be legitimate capital to acquire James Harden. You're not wrong. But also, unless you're running promotions, but then what? So let me. So then, if nobody's going to come up with the money, what's going to happen in Philly? I don't know, and that's the thing. It's going to be a little bit of awkward camp, huh? Don't you think? I hate that guy. I'm not playing for him. He's a liar. He's a cheat. How many practices do you think Daryl Morey is at? I think he should be at all of them, and he should watch him like a hawk. He should watch him like a hawk. Listen again. I'm very pro player. I really am. It takes a lot for me to turn against a player. I've totally turned against James Harden. Totally have turned against him. I, I did the same with Kyrie Irving, too. Not totally you really did. That Kyrie. one you really did. I was always like, Kyrie Irving's a misunderstood soul, and he just needs to be in the right situation. Nope. When people show you who they are, believe them. And I think James Harden is very much... An example of that meal. Let's keep rolling here with the association. Look at your boy Dirk there. I love Dirk. Talk about a team player, a guy who, a guy who like recognized he still was good. But to your point about Vince Carter, when Luka Doncic came along, he said, "I will be the mentor, and I am a okay with that." This past weekend, Tony Parker, Dirk Nowitzki, Pau Gasol, Dwayne Wade enshrined in the Naismith Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. What a class, huh? Talk about heavy hitters, stars of their era. Not to mention Becky Hammond, too. Becky Hammond as well. 
but it got me thinking, Mia. Oh man, these were the people that I grew up watching in like in the prime of my fandom. I think that means I'm old. So I ask you, what was the first athlete retirement or Hall of Fame induction that made you realize that you too are old as well? Um, I would have to say the retirement of our Lord and Savior, Alexander Emanuel. Alex Rodriguez, Rodriguez. that's the one that got you? Also because it was just like such a fall from grace because, not, well, I take that back. The fall from grace was two years earlier. My bad. Three years, actually. Um, But it just felt like, John, because he had this resurgence when he came back from his year-long suspension. He actually cobbled something together in 2015 on a middle-of-the-road Yankee squad. And then, obviously, everything went to crap in 2016. And Brian Cashman, to his credit, unlike this year, we'll get to that in a second, um, actually said, you know what? Let's tear it down. Make some changes. You're out. You're in. Bring this kid up. Bring this kid up. Um, Which he's not doing this year. But, again, we're going to get to that. And I just remember, I know A-Rod, obviously, he was, like, batting, like, the Mendoza line for the previous three weeks. And I I don't know what the conversation was. Um, I know I was going through a rough patch in my own life around that same time. Um, I also was in the process of moving, switching apartments. And I remember I had to stay in a hotel for, like, three days. And I'm, like, in this hotel room, like, what am I doing with my life? As I'm watching A-Rod be forced into retirement in a, like, fake ceremony at Yankee Stadium. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, like, what are we doing? Um, so, yeah. So, that one, that's the one when I look back at, like, retirements that I'm just like, damn. Like, why couldn't you? I mean, I know they tried to be as tasteful as possible for a man who served one of the longest suspensions for steroids that ha- we've seen across professional sports. Not one of the longest. The longest. Yeah, you know. But still, like, it just was so un- unceremonious, even though there was a ceremony. And, like, that for me was just a tough pill to swallow, regardless of what he did um, and whether or not he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Interesting. I also would like to note, too, uh, on a little bit lighter note, that just the reality that, like, half of the Blue Jays roster uh, are the Suns of players Basically, yeah. that we followed. And uh, my boyfriend keeps bringing up Matt Holiday's kid, who was the number one overall yeah. pick a few years ago. And he's 19 and he's engaged already. And like, he's probably going to be in the majors next year. That's another weird one for me. Even so I was just, kid, Jack Leiter. Yeah. Played right. at Vanderbilt with my cousin's best friend, which is like wacky. Um, yeah. Th- for me, it's not even the hall of fame speeches as it is seeing the players, kids now being the stars. That's what gets me. I would say for me personally, the the first one that really jumps to my head as, oh, okay, I'm I'm getting old now was Mariano Rivera Mm -hmm. and retiring just because I don't I can't think of a more consistent athlete in my time watching sports. Mariano Rivera was a guarantee. And I know that's something that a lot of people say. They're like, oh, this guy was guaranteed. This guy's guaranteed. No, like Mariano Rivera was legitimately a guarantee. If he came into the game, 98.5% of the time, it was done right there on the spot. It He was blessed with this cutter that nobody else could catch. And he wrote it to a unanimous Hall of Fame induction. So his retirement in 2013, 10 years ago, I was... 20 years old you were 20 years old that to me was the first oh okay now but he also had one of like the greatest farewell tours of all he time. did he absolutely did and so that's where like there re- there reached a couple points and i know he joked about it after that like he was like okay we get it yeah. i'm not dying i'm just retiring um and so that how do you feel about the retirement tour because that's another part of they, it like they warn it if they A-Rod didn't get a retirement tour of so maybe course that's... he wasn't getting a retirement tour yeah but that's why i felt like the rug was pulled from beneath beneath him oh and his God. followers the guy his followers so you they 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 this guy and look i like a-rod but this guy i mean he disgraced the game he did he disgraced the game and listen he's the real winner because after everything that he did, he is now back in good graces with everybody and people love him. And I mean, that's the funny part is no one wants to talk to Roger Clemens. No one at all wants to talk to Kurt Schilling. Those guys at least got to retire gracefully ish. And then it all went to crap. So what would you rather? Would you rather have a, a ceremonial, like, oh, like they were so great. And then in your post-retirement life, it comes out you were a cheater or you're just crazy um, and, and your legacy is tarnished. Or 
forgiveness, the 13 spelled backwards, <laughs> is actually a thing. I don't know. I mean, let's not sit here and act like Roger Clemens had this graceful retirement because he definitely didn't. He was... Yeah, but, but when he was when he took the Astros to the World Series, there were people who were like, oh, my God, look at this. What a great story. Him and Andy Pettit. Yeah, and then Brian McNamee happened, and he comes back in 2007 for the Yankees outside George's box, telling the world that he is back, as Susan Waldman would say. And uh, we know that didn't work out too much, and the rumors and everything start surfacing. So I don't, I don't know, Mia. I I think that's just delving into semantics, quite frankly. At that point, I think across other sports, with guys retiring, that really hit home. And I'd love for our super chatters to let us know, because I'd love to hear some names that you have to say. I'll, I'll even say this. Pujols' retirement last year really got me, because I was just like, man. I mean, but also you looked at it and you're like, how has this not happened yet? I feel like he's been around forever. Yeah. Vince Carter's a few years ago. That, that was a big one for me. Another one that I was like, man, he's been around forever. Yeah. So make of that what you will. Let us know. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Let's switch over to football, Mia. Yes. Um, this one is uh, – quite fascinating there's been a lot of twists and turns when it comes to Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys Dak isn't just hearing criticisms delivered every day by fans and analysts every time he throws a pick and the video is then subsequently shared on social media Uh, of course as many have noted they never show his touchdowns just his picks Texas governor Greg Abbott offered a strong opinion of Prescott during a Friday appearance on Outkick's don't at me program quote I'm a big Cowboys fan. I go to Cowboys games, he told Dan Dockich. LOL. And there's nothing more I want to see than the Cowboys back in the Super Bowl. Dak is a good quarterback as it concerns stats and things like that. He needs to be able to step up and show he can win a big game. Does Dak deserve, John, to get called out by the governor? Well, in Texas, the Dallas Cowboys are life, right? They're everything, so they're going to be scrutinized by everyone, including the governor of the state, who probably should have a few other things he should be worried about in the state of Texas, quite frankly. Um, But as far as Dak is concerned, you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. America's team, remember? They're America's team. Everyone in America loves the Dallas Cowboys, haven't you heard? Because that's what I've been told. Everyone loves them even though they haven't won a Super Bowl. I was told by their former their former head coach that even when they're not good, everyone wants to talk about how this is the year and they're so good. Okay. Well, with that position comes scrutiny. Even if you play well, it's going to happen. It followed Tony Romo. Tony Romo statistically was one of the best quarterbacks of his era, but the criticism was going to follow him because of perennial underachieving when it mattered. So, Does he deserve to be criticized by the governor of the state? Does he deserve to have all those interception videos shown as you were alluding to? Maybe not, but it comes with the territory. And that's just the nature of being the face of the franchise of America's team. God bless America. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of Jerry World. What say you? Um, Yeah, it's the nature of being the quarterback of Dallas Cowboys. It's just, you know. Like you said, it's like being the president. You get treated differently. Um, What I'm trying to find is the back and forth between LaShawn McCoy and uh, Dallas area sports anchor Mike Leslie um, because Mike was the one who pointed out that every time he tweets out a Dak interception, it blows up, but then he tweets out this beautiful fourth and goal from the one fade ball to CeeDee Lamb for a touchdown, and uh, not enough people give it credit. Um, And apparently LaShawn McCoy, like, picked a fight with Mike about this and then, like, he actually showed up at practice in Oxnard and like they went back and forth. And I don't know. I don't know another franchise in American sports where this would happen. Like even the Yankees, hell, even the jets with hard knocks, it's not anywhere near the, the craziness um, that you see with the Cowboys where like, so here's what it was. So I guess LaShawn McCoy said that Dak Prescott was trash and he didn't like him. And then Mike Leslie basically tweeted at him and was like, well, if you want to talk, you know, trash about him, how about you show up to practice? 
Um, and then they actually did a one on one together, which is just fascinating. Um, like name and then Emmanuel Acho, of course, like drove there to like be a part of the craziness of it. Um, naming another team in professional sports that that sort of circus would exist around. Um, listen, I've been around one that there was a circus. Its name was Urban Meyer. Um, and it was for all the wrong reasons. This is, it doesn't matter who the players are. The characters remain the same. This was happening when Troy Aikman was the quarterback. This was happening when Tony Romo, an unheralded guy, was also the quarterback. Um, I don't know if there's another franchise in American sports, and that includes the Cowboys of Major League Baseball, the New York Yankees, where that sort of thing would happen, that you have national writers and local guys doing bits because it's about this quarterback. Like I, I just don't see it in any other sport, any other team. You could say the Lakers all you want, but the reality is, is that yeah. when you look at the era, the era between Kobe and LeBron, that was a wasteland. So it, that pro- that doesn't prove that point. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It comes with the territory. I think Dak has generally handled himself pretty well, but it has become a meme that since he got the big contract, well, he hasn't performed and uh, LOL interception, LOL injury, LOL interception, LOL injury. And it has to a degree, shook out that way. But I also, I think a lot of fans hold a grudge against him for wanting a big contract. But guess what? He wasn't the one who signed off on paying himself a big contract. That came from elsewhere. And we're talking about guys who play in the most popular league in America. Maybe the most popular league in the world, you can argue. So if he wants to get paid, well then, damn it, he deserves the right to that and should he perform to that contract of course that's but, why he's getting paid that much money because you're not just getting paid because it's the going rate for quarterbacks it's because you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. you got to deal with everything else that like carries more that. weight right Absolutely. Uh, apples and oranges but another um point that i will make is cj henderson um florida former florida gator drafted by the jags ninth overall um had issues documented at the university of florida bipolar different mental um issues that he was you know on medication for seeing a doctor um gets drafted by the jags just went sour real fast um it's traded to Carolina at the beginning of his second year. And when he first was interviewed there, he said, yeah, it was just too much pressure, like being in Florida, being a first rounder. And like the joke around here and around the Southeast was you literally played on a team that went one in 16 and you were hurt half the year. Like what was the pressure? Um, but people are built differently. And that's why not everyone can be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. If you are like Dak Prescott has now been for almost a decade, you accept that this is part. This comes with the territory. Let's talk about something that broke. This was weird. Like I, this came out of left field, dude. L- lead us in, John. So that's Michael Orr. Many of you, the Blind Side, probably recognize him from The Blind Side. Famously, the Academy Award-winning film The Blind Side portrayed his upbringing. Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for it. Now he says it was a lie. He alleges that Sean and Leanne Tui, who months after or found himself pretty much on the streets, they took him into their home as a high school student. They, he claims that they actually never adopted him. Instead, less than three months after they took him in and turned 18 in 2004, the petition that he filed says the couple tricked him into signing a document making them his conservators. Which Where's gave, Britney Spears? Right, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. As we know, he would be drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, go on to have a good career in the NFL. Mia is nothing sacred in Hollywood anymore because, boy, howdy, does this sour what on paper seemed like a really good story. Well, the writers are on strike right now, John. They so are. I, I would make a joke about that, but I will refrain. Um, here's the thing. Michael Orr. I, I don't have the the, chrono, the the timeline in front of me. But three months after he turned 18. So at that point, he would have already had all these offers. Right? Correct. So I guess then the question is, at that point, were they banking on, well, he's going to make millions and we want to benefit from that. But if memory serves me, John, and perhaps I'm wrong, 
didn't he turn 19 his senior year because he actually had been held back a couple of grades? I believe so. So that's what I want to see. And th- this is, you know, Michael Orr may very well be telling the truth. I'm not really sure why it's coming out now in August of 2023, um, but it's his story. He deserves to tell it. Um, I am just curious the timing of when the offers started pouring in versus when this alleged paperwork that he was duped into took place. Because the reality is, is that when they, at least according to the movie and the book, when they first adopted him or brought him into their home, he was not a football player. He was simply a kid on the street. They couldn't have predicted. Yes, he certainly had the intangibles of, you know, a large frame and things you can't teach, but they couldn't have predicted that he would turn into what he became. So that's what I need to see that before I completely write off the Tui family. Um, listen, you can say it's a money grab all you want, but the reality is he had a good enough relationship with them to sign off on the movie because his he had to sign off on certain parts of it. Correct me if I'm wrong. They signed off on it. Other people who were there at Briarcrest signed off on, yep, this, 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 this works. Michael Lewis stepped right into the role like of writing the book and they gave him all the information. And certainly it's, it's a realistic fiction if you want to call it that, but it's based or based on a true story. Mm-hmm. But like, I highly doubt that if it was fabricated, it's just coming out now. Well, you know who was the high school coach, right? No. Hugh Freeze was the high school coach. <laughs> like, right? Like talk about throwing in throwing in a whole bunch of other wrenches into the story, right? Not not that there's necessarily any correlation there, but it does make you think, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to do the math though. So Michael War was at Ole Miss because he was there 2009, yeah, 2016. Hugh was still there. Yeah, and Hugh. So Freeze- well, his whole time, he, well, that was when he was in the pros, I should say. So he was in college from 05 to 09. Yeah, just crazy. But it is a crazy story. And listen, it it certainly could hold merit because it wouldn't be the first time that an athlete has been exploited or a young man has been taken advantage of by people. It is pretty crazy that it took this long to come out. Right. Like what prompted this? Maybe Michael Orr feels like he's in a position now in life where he has the leverage to actually put something like this forward, put, put a petition like this forward. But I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I always felt like the story was a little sketch. Something seemed a bit Hollywood about it. I mean, the car crash was Hollywood. Just in general, something seemed a bit Hollywood about it. So having it apparently, allegedly, turn out to be a case of they were basically riding his success trying to reap the benefits of that keep in mind what his background was he was young and unassuming and there certainly could be a situation where someone in that position gets taken advantage of it's sad regardless of whether it's true or not because if it's not true he's alleging this against them if it is true then this is what happened to him and i don't take pride in that but man how do you watch that movie ever again? How do you read that book ever again? I don't know. People seem to love air and that's not a true story. The Michael Jordan shoe story. People have been raving about that and I'm watching it and I'm like, but did this like Sonny, Sonny, Sonny Vaccaro literally, if you watch any 30 for 30 is a pariah. And like, well, certainly his roots were not that of being, you know, uh, uh, what's her name? Hester Prynne with the red, you know, scarlet letter. Um, His roots weren't that way. So this is his origin story. So I get it. But like, I'm like, ain't no way that Sonny was the one who was doing this, 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 and this. Like the, no, no. But this, the Michael Orr story, I did believe. I I, I do still believe. Because have the two E's come out with a statement yet? I haven't seen one publicly. I haven't either. So I'm very curious, like, what sparked this slash what's Michael Orban up to, too? Like, nothing against him. I'm not accusing him of anything. But, like, why now? Like, why come out and say this now? Yes, we'll have to see. How about we stay in the SEC? Oh, boy. Yay! Here he is! What's up, Peyton? Or should I say Professor Peyton? The five-time NFL MVP and Pro Football Hall of Famer has a new title 
Professor Manning. The University of Tennessee, his alma mater, announced Monday that he has been appointed a professor of practice at the College of Communication and Information starting this fall. Now, he did graduate from Tennessee, John, with a degree in speech communication. So it's not like Peyton's not qualified, especially when you look at the media empire that he's built. Who is one athlete who you think would make a great college professor? I could go a few different ways with this, but let's just for a second, let's just break down the notion of walking into a classroom. We've all been there. We've had rough weekends, right? You got that Monday 8 a.m. class. You had a little too much to drink, maybe, on the weekend. Maybe you went to Mooney's and you had a little too much, Mia. You danced on the boxes too much. Sure. You walk into class 8 a.m. Monday morning, got the hoodie on because you're trying to cover your face. And Peyton Manning is your professor (laughs) and interrogating you about what you did this past weekend. Just think about that. Just think about that and how surreal of an environment. Maybe that's why you'd want Blake Bortles as your professor. I'm just kidding. Maybe, maybe you want maybe Blake that, Maybe that's what people would think. I think, whew, let's see here. I'll go. Okay, you got one. Go for it. Second time today. Alexander Emmanuel Rodriguez. How do you spin a narrative and go from absolutely left for dead and turn it around into a little PR crisis management? Media. Media real estate mogul career where now you are beloved once more. I need to know. <laughs> Crisis management without. Yeah. Robert. But then also, I mean, let's also give a ride his flowers because the man did start investing at such a young age. I'm not saying he's not a smart guy. Right. Well, that's a, I, I want to learn about how he started investing so early and was able to turn that into this lucrative real estate company that now he does podcasts about. And then he also used those funds to purchase an NBA team. I got to go with uh, maybe one that doesn't necessarily come to your head immediately, but I got to go with Bill Walton. Come uh, on now. We all had that one professor in college who was a little bit out Yes, there. Don Beachler was mine. And oh. Bill Walton being a college professor. That wins. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you know you know, Bill is my guy. Maybe say a psychology no class with Bill Walton. No, he would maybe probably a teach a history of the Grateful Dead um, and then uh, cycling 101. Perhaps he could teach. He would also teach the history of the world and it would be everything. Philosophy with Bill Wallen would be a good class. Philosophy of the world. I'm sure he would have some like intricate name for it too. I'd be down. I do have one more. um, And this actually was a real college class. um, And that is of course the late Mike Leach um, who taught the warfare uh, strategic warfare um, class at Washington state. And then I believe he did bring it to Mississippi state as well. Um, People forget Mike Leach had a, he had a law degree. He was a historian. Like, he was not just a football coach. And, like, that would have been very fascinating. And also, I think he would have had a similar teaching style to Bill Walton. I took a history of football class in college. Who would you like to see teach a class like that? Mm. Besides Mike Leach? History of football. Mm, History of football. I mean, probably like Lou Holtz just because of his voice. Really? I'm you, Holtz. I ain't going there. I ain't going Lou Holtz. I'd have to go. I mean, Coach Campo, but I, I can't say that. So I feel, you know, who would teach a fun history of football class? Rex Ryan would teach a fun history of football class. Yeah, he class. would. That's a good one. I'd be into the notion of a Rex Ryan. I feel like Tony Romo would too, since we're on the subject of broadcasters. Perhaps he'd have fun with it. I don't know if he'd be that good at it, but he would be engaging as a teacher like mm-hmm. and speaker, which would be good. Mm-hmm. Or actually, no, I want Berman. I want Berman to teach it. Chris Berman. Chris Berman. Yeah, I've met him. He's awesome. We talk every every Tom Coughlin J Fun mm-hmm. event. We 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 hang out. We do some videos. He's the man. Interesting. Interesting. Rock, 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 rock. Huh. Very fascinating. I'll I'll. I'll give you that one. I don't know. I just think it would be pretty cool to have your college professor just be someone that is so. No, you said Bill Walton, John. That's we ended the yeah. discussion. Like the debate ended when you said All right, Bill Walton. Well, then let's get to it your. It trumps other boy. everything. It's let's, Bill or it's not. Let's get to your other boy here. That is Aaron Boone. That is his Laz Diaz impression. After we went off the air last week, Aaron Boone got ejected by Laz Diaz, one of the more controversial umpires in all of Major League Baseball. 
who called, for the record, one of the worst games of the season, if not the – I think it was statistically the worst called game of the season behind the plate. He impersonated his punch-out motion. And then the Yankees blew a 7-1 lead last night against the Marlins. They are just two games above 500, and their streak of 30-plus years without a losing record is very much in jeopardy this but year. But stick meanwhile, with them, John. But stick with them. Meanwhile, the Mets got outscored 27-3 in a doubleheader against the Atlanta Braves this weekend. There was controversy with an unidentified Mets pitcher who claimed that Justin Verlander was a diva and for that reason destroyed chemistry on the pitching staff. Mia, which franchise is more of a doomed disaster? It's the Yankees. You say it's the Yankees. It's the Yankees. It's not even close. The Mets accepted when they traded Scherzer when they dealt all their stars and said it is going to take us two years to rebuild we're going to collect assets we're going to collect prospects we're going from here they accepted defeat that's the difference right now John the New York Yankees refuse to refuse to concede and they think what they have is okay and they're going to blame it on injuries and they're going to say if we get healthy we'll figure it out and the first step to acceptance or excuse me the first step like denial like and acceptance are very fascinating subject that I'm going to butcher that cliche. The reality is, though, is that the New York Yankees refuse to concede. The New York Mets have conceded into madness, and therein lies the difference. And that's why I would rather at least say, we know we're going to be a disaster for the next two years and dysfunctional, but we're going to figure it out once we get through this these growing pains. I would take that tomorrow. I would rather have a plan of this is what we're going to do as opposed to well, just stick with us. We're going to get this thing turned. These are the right players. And it's like, no, they weren't the right players last year or the year before. Why would they be now? Yeah. I mean, it's ignorance. Quite frankly, it is ignorance. What do they say? The definition of insanity insanity is doing the same thing over and over and again and expecting different results. Yeah. And that's pretty much the situation the Yankees find themselves in. I trace this all back to the quote from Aaron Boone at the end of the 2021 season when he mentioned that the rest of the league caught up to the Yankees. And what is this, the U.S. Women's National Team? Well, and I kept saying to myself, you're a team that hasn't won a World Series or been to a World Series at that point in 12 years, now even longer. The league caught up to you the year afterwards. Right. It's pretty much as simple as that. And I understand Aaron Boone sometimes is in a really tough position because, look, for as often questionable as he is in his decision-making, he has to roll with what he's dealt, right? He's got a roster that is given to him, and his job as the manager is to facilitate and to put out the best team possible. Can you say that he has succeeded in that? Arguably, no. But the roster construction stems from the top. There was nothing done at the trade deadline for this team. Correct. There was nothing done in the offseason. In in the offseason, they outright went and said, we need a left fielder. And to this point, that has not been addressed. I saw something the other day that got me thinking. They were talking about the contract that Carlos Rodon got. Six years, $161 You know who else got that exact contract just a couple of years ago? Me, O'Brien? Who, John? Who, John? Freddie Freeman who may be the National League MVP this year. Even though he really wishes he was in Atlanta. Just ask any Braves fan in Jacksonville. And maybe he does, but guess what? It's just so funny. He might propel propel the Dodgers. He wishes he was here. But he might propel the Dodgers to a World Series win this year. And look at the value that they're getting for a player like that. There is a need for a change in organizational structure, organizational philosophy, and there is denial about it. And I tend to agree with you what you say about the Mets. The problem and the difference is, I should say, that there's expected failure with the Mets. Right, there always is. No, but there wasn't this year, and that's the difference, is that Steve Cohen, and I'm coming right for the Steinbrenners when I say this, Steve Cohen said, we're all in. And then he said, we are all out. We're building for the next two years. But at the very least, that crazy dude tweeted about it and was open and transparent with the fans. As crazy as he is, as much money as he just throws at things, 
he at least has an open conversation. Not to unlike my good friend Jim Irsay. I'm just well now there's conversation that Pete Alonso could be on his way out too. But at least they're having conversations and being transparent about it. Where are the Steinbrenners? Their father is rolling over in his grave right now because they are nowhere to be found. Hal didn't have Derek Jeter's number, John, once upon a time. (laughs) And I go back to that. Hal's still trying to figure out why the fans are mad. That's what I mean. If you're that disconnected, then I have no sympathy for you. I compared it to the U.S. Women's National Team last week. I believe it was last, last week's program. How, like, when people are like, oh, how do you feel about the Yankees? I'm like, when their own owners can't figure out why people are upset and they're just trotting poor Aaron Boone out there and Brian Cashman's allowed to just keep on keeping on. Like their father would never have done that. So why would I care Uh, if their own owners can't figure it out? Why should I care? Well, a guy, Mia, who's not going to be going to the New York Yankees is this man. Yeah. Well, you know, we can dream John. We can tell us a little about Shohei, what he did this week. Okay, so Shohei had some arm fatigue, so he's going to skip the ne- his next start. Um, but that didn't stop him. Oh, no, that did not stop him, John, from hitting the American League leading 41st homer of the year. The Angels defeated the Astros 2-1 Sunday afternoon at Minute Maid Park. Um, the Angels were a bit of a surprise buyer at the deadline, um, but they go all in, and now Shohei's also producing in addition to some of their other additions. Um, he's hitting 305, 41 homers, a 9.2 wins above replacement rec- uh, number this year. He's 10-5 and five on the mound with a 3.17 ERA and 165 strikeouts. Is this the greatest individual season in sports history? Why are we not giving this season and Shohei Otani his flowers more answer he plays for the Los Angeles Angels sure I think this is the greatest season in pro sports history I really do but I you'd be hard-pressed to find another one to compare it to and you could talk about hockey players having 100 points in a season you could talk about NBA players averaging 40 points a game you could talk about prolific quarterbacks breaking touchdown records no one in the history of american sports has had well-rounded performances in the way that shohei otani has no one has done this and sure there's a little bit of a variable that maybe you can't necessarily do it like this in other sports but you could play both ways in football you can play both ways in football Dion did it so I think this is, and I don't think it's hyperbole to suggest, Mia. I think no. it is the greatest season in the modern era of professional sports. And what's so difficult, John, and obviously I'm very close to the subject being here in Florida, um, but Jack Caglione, the star hitter for the Florida Gators, who was among the nation's leaders in home runs, who also was a starting pitcher for Florida this past season. He won't be draft eligible till next year. It's already being said, like, oh, is he the next Otani? Yeah. Is he the next o-? It will be very curious to see how many young players. Oh, this is change it. This is change it. Right, right. So, correct. So how many young players now will try to play both ways and be compared to Shohei Otani? But then, unlike in football, you throw in this factor of uh, Tommy John surgery is like a rite of passage for pitchers like most of them now these days are having it in college or high school some of them it's before they even get to college like it's literally a rite of passage and so knowing that and knowing that Shohei obviously has had you know like hello he's skipping his next two starts or whatever it is because of soreness like he has had his injuries but he still has continued to rake it is going to be so fascinating to see if anyone can actually touch this slash similar to the Steph Curry effect in basketball if this does change how people view and play the game at the youth level. You know what's going to officially change it, Mia? Mm. When we find out how much money Shohei Otani makes this offseason. Well, where is he going to go, John? I think he's a Dodger through and through. Yeah, I don't I, I Maybe a giant. Padres would be fun. Padres, maybe, but then maybe they he's probably... the maybe he is the the one superstar they were missing in addition yeah, to they, every they, other one they collected. They'd probably have to get rid of Juan Soto at that point, and I don't know if they want to do that. But all maybe. I know is it's that that team, no team. Uh, the, as much as the Yankees have disappointed me, as much as Mike Trout and the Angels 
I know they're kind of having a resurgence now, but like as much as they have disappointed me, like no team upsets me more than the Padres because obviously they went all in. They, they bought all these superstars. They traded, they did everything and they haven't been able to put it together, but San Diego deserves a winner. Number one. And number two, like Manny Machado, when he first became the first to, to go to San Diego and they said, they told him we're going to buy all these stars and everyone else said, you're nuts. And then obviously it came to fruition. Like, Manny Machado doesn't care because either way he gets to go home and live in San Diego and make millions of dollars. Not a bad life. Pretty beastly life. If you ask me. So I guess we have to talk about the beast of the week. Mia O'Brien, who did or what did the most beastly thing you've seen in the sports world this week? I have a very special one. John. Let's hear you, it. you are going to absolutely love. So it was right here on out of bounds that I was first introduced to the wonderful game that is known mm-hmm. as the immaculate grid. Kirk Cousins is the king of the Immaculate Grid football edition. Okay. The MinnesotaVikings.com team did an amazing piece on the Vikings quarterback room. I encourage everybody listening to go out there and go read it because it is fantastic. At the end of each night of training camp, and mind you, you know, training camp, you're in the building till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Before they can leave, the three quarterbacks – the quarterbacks coach, the OC, the control guys, even Kevin O'Connell, they all come together and they all do the immaculate grid That's together. Fun. And because they've all been in the league, they thrive off backup quarterbacks and yeah. random offensive linemen. Ooh, and so they strive to have the lowest score of all time. And they actually did the night that the Minnesota Vikings.com staff was there. They had, I think the most, like the highest percentage they had was like two or 3% on one player. <laughs> And that is so beastly, and I absolutely love it. My Macklin score grid yesterday with baseball was seven. Well, listen, John. <laughs> you you may be my beast of the week then next week. Seven. I got seven. There are nine spots for the record, and I had a seven. And I, I saw someone even tweet at me. They beat that, too. There was like three and a half. I was like, what? I had Randy Velarde on my board yesterday with I don't know where you come up with these Point oh 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 nine percent. He had how many games did he play in the majors? Oh, and Randy Velarde was in the majors a long time. He played for the Yankees twice, but I, I just I guessed on it was three hundred Angels hitter, and I knew he had a good season for the Angels. He only played for the Angels for a year or two. I didn't know if he had three hundred. I admit it was a total guess, but I got it. I was like, yeah. But my beast of the week is Matt Olson. We talked about Freddie Freeman before. Matt Olson. Hit his 42nd home run of the season here, August 14th. He's probably going to reach 50 this year. Sets a new Braves record for left-handed hitters. And he's a beast because, Mia, this guy came in and was given the entire farm by the Braves to replace Freddie Freeman. They felt that Freddie Freeman was too expensive. They felt that Matt Olson was a cheaper version of him that they could sign long-term. And guess what? They were right. They hit the jackpot because this guy has been exceptional this season. His average is up from last year. His power has come out. He's going to be a major, major, major long-term player in this league for a long time to come. I think that Matt Olson has to be my beast of the week. I think outside of the Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs trade, which at the moment no one knew in the, in, in the moment, um, I don't know if there was a better trade in recent sports history than Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, uh, which wasn't a trade. Obviously it was trading for Matt Olson, letting Fre- Freddie Freeman walk. I'm not sure we've seen something that has worked out for both sides quite as well as that one has. Yeah. So I, I very much agree with that. Although I do prefer the, the immaculate grid answer. I feel that. I feel that this has been out of bounds. We're back with you next Monday, right here on know your news. We will see you next time. Roses are red, violets are blue. I click the subscribe button, you really should too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.